0: If you have your Bibles, would you open up the 2 Corinthians chapter 9? If you don't know where it's at, look right next to 1 Corinthians, and it'll be right there. Go to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to spend all of our time in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, but we're going to launch out from uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. Uh, For every, every, every single lady in our church, uh, we've got cookies for all of you. And so please stop by after the service in either lobby. They're for every single lady at our church. Uh, and please take one. Don't send me home with cookies, please. I do not want them uh, because I would literally would consume every single one of them, especially the one shaped like Michigan with, like, the piece of chocolate right on Kalamazoo, which, uh, oh, I've been drooling over that since we picked them up yesterday. So excited about what God has in store. Uh, again, I repeat, happy Uh, Mother's Day. If you haven't called your moms today, please call your mom sometime this afternoon. FaceTime your mom. We're going to FaceTime my mom um, and just uh, give them a chance just to kind of hear from you, to be encouraged by, yeah, please let them be encouraged by what you're saying, by the way. That would be a good idea as well. Would you stand with me for the reading of the word? We got lots and lots and lots of scripture to go through today, so we are going to read a ton, so I hope you have your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we've got free Bibles for anybody who wants a Bible. You can get one in the back, or if uh, you're going to use the Version Bible app, that's great as well. Um, the Bible is the Bible. Um, as long as it's the ESV, that's fine. No, I'm kidding. NIV is great. Message is great. New Living Translation. I've got lots of faves out there. Second Corinthians 9, 6 says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully, that's a great word, will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Jesus, I thank you for the morning. I thank you for the excitement, Lord, we have in this room about what you're wanting to speak and do in our lives. And I ask that you would just take this series that we've called First Things First and help us to prioritize that which you want us to prioritize, to put into order what needs to be within the right order, that our lives would honor you and reflect you, Lord. We just pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, give someone an awkward high-five before you're seated, please. Please. Gotta love the awkwardness. Over the past year, my wife and I have gone through a home transformation that we never saw coming. Um, We own cats. Now, people ask, and we get this all the time, how did it happen? Like, well, first we stole our daughter's cat. She just said, thank you. It's really true. We kept, we kept having to, to, to babysit, cat-sit, I don't know what you call it, uh, Moses, that's his name, little Moses, and uh, I got to the point where we just literally text my daughter and her husband, uh, we're keeping him and we don't lie. So we've kept Moses, and then back in March, it was, I remember, March 5th, we went to a cat sanctuary, which sounds weird to say that out loud. Um... <laughs> We went to a cat sanctuary where they roam free, and so we walk into this room because they're like, maybe we'll adopt, uh, adopt a cat and fi- try to find a cat that looks kind of like Moses. We need- Moses needs a little brother, a little sister. Why we thought that, we do not know, and uh, so we walk in this room, and there's like 15 cats, and the only one to walk up to us and start cuddling with us is just look just like Moses, and so we adopted him, and now... This this cat, this poor guy, he was in a litter of seven that was abandoned on the side of a road in a box. I know. I was going to take them all home with me, but no, I'm not that guy. So we adopt him, and I'm like, what's his name? They said, well, we, we named all the cats after the Donnie and Marie show. I'm like, I, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. So we named them Boaz. Why Boaz? Because that's what my dad wanted to name me, and my mom said, Harold, no, 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 no. we are calling him David. And I just thank mom for that. So, uh, if there's anybody in Boaz, by the way, I apologize for what I just said. God bless you. But we have Moses and Boaz. And I don't know if you've ever had cats in your home. You just got to know this about all cats is is they're demonically possessed. All of them. Mine just manifests between 3 and 6 in the morning. So, even this morning, I'm like, boys, boys, just, just. I'm, I'm literally, through a four o'clock in the morning, them with water. They settle down. I walk in the room, and all of a sudden, they're just everywhere all over again. And so uh, that's why Jesus said in Scripture, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And so that's just how we navigate our cats is we deal with demons every morning. So, but when we brought Boaz into the, into the fold, so to speak, again, we adopted him. He was in a room of 15 cats, which is a lot of cats. And I had noticed in the room, that when we walked in, there was one bowl and one little thing of water. And so when we get home with Boaz, we start, you know, we, we bought a second little thing. So there's one for Moses, one for Boaz that he can eat out of in two different water um, bowls. And then for some reason, we also have a little water fountain for... The, why they need multiple water sources, I do not understand. I just say yes. And so... Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) But we know where it's like, we put the food out, and Boaz runs to the food, and he eats it, and then starts pushing Moses out of the way and starts eating his food. And so we had noticed over the next few days, it's like he will wolf his food down, and I'm like, little buddy, this stuff is always out, and, because you know, he understands what I'm saying, obviously, and it... He just would consume it, and then he's got to push Moses out of the way and get his food, and we're like, what is going on? And I'm thinking to myself, it's, it's because of what he was exposed to. All he knew is there's one bowl, and unless you go and you eat, you're not going to get anything left over because everybody else is going to take it. And it's almost like this poverty mentality And honestly, I've seen it as a bit of a revelation about, I think, how a number of us deal with the things that we own and the things that we have, is that we take everything, and we will hoard on everything, and we will collect things, and we will hold on to that which we think is ours, because if we at all relinquish our grip on it, then somebody's going to take it from us, Someone's going to ask that of us, and so we just have to keep taking and taking and taking and taking, not recognizing that God has not called us to be takers, but God has called us to be givers. He's never called the church to be hoarders. He's called us to be givers. In fact, if you really study the Scriptures, I I was kind of astounded this week. I just began to kind of look some things up and just kind of study some things, and I realized that the term giving or the idea of giving is actually mentioned ten times more than prayer in Scripture. Ten times more. And in fact... Some of us would think, like, what's the key word in Scripture? We would say love, but giving is actually mentioned three times more than love in Scripture. It breaks my brain that over 2,100 times giving is mentioned. It is a, it is a point of, 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 of not just contention, but attention that Scripture is trying to give into our lives. God has called us to be givers. That's why I want to uh, present a message that's simply called Choose to be Generous. And my heart is through this series, we've got one more week left of the series, that we are going to light a fresh fire of generosity within our church. I love the term generosity. I know that some of you don't, but the word generosity means to give more than expected. And so last week, and when I painted my, my illustration from last week, if you were here, I didn't realize how much overspray, so I've got this nice little line on the platform here. Well, last week we talked about three types of givers. We talked about the, those that grip it. We talk about those that tip it. What do we mean? It means if God, if God was good that week, then we might give God a 20 spot in the offering. We might give God a 10 spot in the offering. We might give God the spare change. But we want to get to the place where we give our lives and everything that we are to God. And so I want us to get that fresh fire of generosity within our spirits regarding the things of God. I love what Proverbs says in 11.24, it says in the message, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. I love that. The world of the generous, as we give and as we walk in in generosity, it opens us up not just to the more the blessings of God, but more opportunities to bless people, because you have been blessed to be a blessing. And this really follows along, uh, Malachi chapter 3, where God says, test me in the tithe. And he and he says, for those that don't give, you are under a curse. And I remember hearing that preach with such harshness years ago. And then I really looked at the scripture and I realized, I don't think it's God that's cursing people. I think that what God is saying, that when you're stingy, you are shrinking your world. That your stinginess, it's not God cursing, it's we curse ourselves with... We're being stingy, and we reap stinginess. But God says that when we're generous, it opens up the world around us and gets larger. The next verse, verse 25 in the NIV says, A generous person will prosper, for whoever refreshes others will become refreshed. Now that word prosper is a funky word when we talk about Christianity, because how many of you heard the term prosperity preachers? Anybody? Okay, yeah. Y- y'all, everyone with trauma in their, hand, in their lives raises their hands. You have seen the TV preachers and the people that will talk about, man, you give God $10, he will automatically give you $100. Or if you are not rich, then you're not living in the blessing. I've heard all of that weird stuff, and some of you are like, what do you do with that, Pastor Dave? I block the channel. It's that easy. I don't play games with it because it's... It's a manipulation of Christianity. But that word prosper comes up, that when we give, that God will prosper his people. But that word prosperity, it doesn't mean to make you rich. It means to push forward. So a generous person will push forward. Push forward in what? I believe a generous person is going to push forward in breakthrough. We'll push forward in freedom. will push forward in peace. will push forward in joy. will push forward in love. I believe that God gets behind you when you are generous, that God gets behind you to nudge you and to push you and to drive you forward. So whatever you move in generosity, it means that God will move in and push you forward. Psalm chapter one, twelve, verse 5, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely and who conduct their affairs with justice. I love this word in First Timothy 6 out of the message. Tell those who are rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Tell them to go after God. Well, there's a word. Go after God. Tell your neighbor right now, go after God and treat your mother good today. Tell them to go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever imagine. Tell them to go after God who piles on the riches to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. If they do that, then they'll have the coolest church around. If they do that, they will have the biggest bank account. If they do that... Then the world will revere them. They'll make a great name in their church and the community. No, if they do that, they will build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. In other words, when you give, you will build the life that God has actually designed for you to have. Because it won't be about you, it'll be about God. You see, I want you to understand this that giving is a way of life, it's not a moment of benevolence. We're not tipping God. When we give, we give because it's just a way of living. This is how God created us. We're here to give. That's why Jesus says in Acts chapter 20, verse uh, 35, the Apostle Paul quotes Jesus by saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That word blessed in the original language means an internal joy regardless of circumstance. That when we give... People will look and be confused. Why do you have so much joy? You just gave this away. You just blessed somebody with this. It's because there is a joy that consumes us when we act out of that God nature that comes within us. Regardless of what the circumstance looks like, we can have joy because that's the byproduct of giving. And that's what brings us to 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. I just finished reading this entire book. I spent about four months in 2 Corinthians. I This is how I do my devotions every single day, is I pick one book of the Bible, and I will sit in that book for months to however long. I spent an entire year in the book of John. I love just slowly digesting books, and I just finished 2 Corinthians, and I knew I wanted to preach out of this in this series. So I want to just, let's just start reading 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Let's just start talking, and there are just some words that we're just going to have some fun with today today as we talk about choosing to be generous. Uh, Verse one. We want you to know, brothers, that about the grace of God that's been given among the churches in Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance, joy, and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Okay, let's just stop for a second. What's going on here? Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he actually is telling them that he's about to take an offering from them. He's giving them not just a heads up now. He's actually reminding them I'm going to come and take up an offering because we're going to bless the home church, the Jerusalem church that launched you. They've invested in you and we're going to bless them. And he begins to talk to them about the Macedonians, which was a group of believers that, from what we understand, they didn't have a lot of money. They had extreme poverty, but it says in verse 2, they overflowed in a wealth of generosity on that part. It didn't give the dollar amount because how many of you know that the dollar amount does not necessarily mean generosity? There's some people that it would it would massively hit your budget if you were to give $100 today, but for some of you today $100 would be a tip. Some of you are like, who are those people? No clue. Verse 3, for they gave be according to their means, as I could testify and beyond their means of their own accord. There's a great word. They weren't manipulated. They didn't have to listen to somebody on a screen. Somebody twist their arms. Someone did, I didn't have to play a video in, or, or in order to kind of get the emotions going to make you to give. It says, gave of their own accord. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this is not as we expected. But they gave of themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that he had started as he had started. So he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by you, his poverty, might, you might become rich. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also the desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to the person not according to what he does not have. Now, we're going to just stop right there. We're going to keep going in just a second. Paul is really digging down deep into the heart of the Corinth church. And what he's trying to do is to get down into their internal motivation. Because I want you to understand, when it comes to giving, your motivation matters. Your motivation matters. I grew up at a church where our pastor used to always say that God wants you to be a cheerful giver, but he will take money from a grouch. And y'all eye rolled it just as much as I still eye roll that statement. But I want you to understand something God does care if you're a grouch. He does care about your attitude toward giving. And this is why Paul is writing the church in Corinth. He wants to go after the motivation because in the Old Testament, this was the law. It was once a command written on tablets for people to follow. But in the New Testament, Jesus didn't want them to follow a law on a tablet. He wanted the law of God written upon their hearts so that their decision was not based upon what told them from the outside, but what moved on the inside. Because in the Old Testament, this is what you have to do. But in the New Testament, this is what I want to do I now get to do this I now get to do this and we get to the place where we now serve Jesus and we get to talk about that because some of you think that when you follow Jesus it's about the thou shalt not but when we follow Jesus we get to read the Bible we get to understand scripture. We get to go before him and lift up our hands and to celebrate. We get to gather and to worship and to fellowship with one another. We get to give in an offering. We get to serve. We get to honor God. We get to leave here and go honor moms and go honor friends. We get to do these things. And when we get to the place where we have to and we forget about the privilege and the freedom that Jesus has given us, that's what he said. Jesus gave up his glory to come be poor for us, that we might become rich. It helps us to understand the perspective. We've received everything from Jesus. Even if all Jesus did was die on the cross for our sins, he's already given us way more than we can ever pay back. So how can we ever be stingy with our lives? Motivation matters. And so today I want to talk to you about the motivation of generosity. And I want to pull out five words today that we're going to dive into. You're like, Pastor Dave, this isn't a Mother's Day message. I'll be honest. I've given up on Mother's Day and Father's Day messages. Why? Because for years, we would just really lift up moms on Mother's Day, and then we would pummel dads on Father's Day. That's just, that's not my gig. Today, we're going to talk about the joy of giving. So if you're taking notes, number, down, number one, write this down. Choose to give joyfully. Choose to give joyfully there's a word I could give you I want to look at the word joyful choose to get joyfully second Corinthians 8.2 and the NIV talks about they overflowed with joy I love that word out of the NIV they overflowed with joy this is something that the Macedonians were overflowing with, that they had their own problems. They didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have a lot of substance. If you do a study of the, of the church of Corinth and the city of Corinth, that this was a very well-to-do affluential city. And so Paul, I don't know if Paul was trying to get a little bit of a a competition going on here. But Paul is trying to highlight a church that had very little, but they chose to overflow with joy. Why? Because when you give, joy is the natural byproduct of your giving. It just is. I hear from people all the time. I get people that will contact me and they're like, pastor, I I started tithing. I'm like, well, that's phenomenal. That's not the phenomenal thing. It's what I begin to see happen in my life because I've chosen to put God first in my finances. Pastor, I started serving and giving of my time into an area. And, you know, I did it because I kind of felt bad that we we need some people to serve in this area. And I got to introduce a child to Jesus for the first time. And, Pastor, what is happening? I'm like, "This, this is how it's supposed to work. You give. Joy is a byproduct I get to, Why haven't I done this before? Great question. But now that you're doing it, you're going to see that joy is a byproduct of giving. I love that. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. We read that earlier. It says, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful in the Greek language, it's hilarious. Do you want to know what word we get from that? Man, you guys are amazing Greek scholars. You get the word hilarious. It's as this idea that when we give, sometimes we get this overwhelming place of joy. We're like, well, well, what if you never really get anything back? We're not here. We don't give to get back. We give to bless, knowing that the blessings of God just follow obedience. And, it's, and the world looks at it, and the world says, that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that people would enjoy giving. It confuses people's minds. Why? Because we're giving up selfish motivation in order to bless the world around us. There was a great article from the Wall Street Journal a few years back called Hardwired for Giving. Being hardwired to give. And this article is phenomenal because it begins to talk about Darwin, and says, we don't understand because what Darwin tells us is Darwin is survival of the fittest. That if you're strong, you consume the weak so that you become stronger and you outdo other people. If you've got the ability, you will outdo them, you outlast them, you're better than them. And then in the weak, the, the feeble, they just die off. And it's us that are strong that are survived. But they said... But something is so confusing about giving because they did a psychological study that said that when people give, there's something in our brain that releases hormones and endorphins that give you a sense of pleasure. And it's so confusing because they're like, well, Darwin and evolution tells us that we actually get more selfish because the weak die off and the stronger it rises to the top. This is anti-evolution. And in the article, this says, where did this come from? I'll tell you where it came from. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in the beginning, he created human beings in his image. It didn't come from evolution. It came from the creation of God. God created us in his image. He is the ultimate giver. And so when we give, we act out of that nature. No wonder why when we give. It's more than just the endorphins that flood in. There's something about the spirit of God that confirms in us that when we choose to give, we're doing exactly what we were created to do. To give. Number two, choose to give selflessly. <laughs> My notes, it corrected to selfishly. Think, All right, it's fine up there, good. <laughs> choose to give selflessly. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, it says this, they gave themselves. One translation says, they gave of themselves. John Bonnell says this, if one gives himself to the Lord, then all other giving is easy. If one gives himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. You see, when it comes to being generous, the place that we ought to start is actually giving of ourselves and offering that to the Lord. And after that, after you give of yourself, everything else just gets easy. That's why I don't understand stinginess in churches, whether we're talking about the offering or we're talking about serving in places around the the church, serving in areas outside of the church. I've never understood stingy Christians. I've never understood things like, well, I don't serve in ministry anymore. I've served my time. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Ministry isn't prison. And you may have graduated from one ministry, but God's graduating you to in another ministry. And so if you've still got breath in your body and strength in your bones, it's time to get involved and to give of yourself. Choose to give selflessly. So today, when you pick up your kids down there, when you see the volunteers, would you make sure to thank them? Why? Because they're giving of themselves. When you see people from the worship team walking around after service, would you thank them? Why? They're giving of themselves. When you see the tech people, instead of complaining to them about the sound or whatever, tell them, thank you for serving. When you see first impressions, thank them for serving. Why? They are giving of themselves. I'm here to say this. When you give your tithe in the offering, I'm here to say, you're doing more than you're writing a check. You're giving of yourself. Your time, your sweat, your energy, your hours you put in at work, the overtime that you put in to provide for your family. When you write a check, you do more than just give something into an offering. You are giving of yourselves. And for that, I say, thank you. This models Jesus. Because when Jesus saw a need and he saw the sinfulness of humanity, Jesus didn't send an angel. He gave of himself. He didn't ask someone else to give. He gave of himself. And that's what leads us toward even the end of this whole section. 2 Corinthians 9, 15. The entire text ends. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible, what? Gift. Gift. Number three. He chose to give willingly. Man, it's toasty up here. I've never used the word toasty ever in my life. He chose to give Willingly. 2 Corinthians 8:12. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what the person has, not according to, to what the person does not have. In other words, God does not expect you to give what you don't have. Well, if I'm going to be faithful to God, what, ha- what happens if he doesn't give? He asked me to give what I don't have. I'm here to say that God would never ask you to give what you don't have, but he may ask you to give something for which you'll have to rely upon his strength and his provision for. There's a difference. But we have to be willing. I love that word. If the readiness, if the willingness is there, then it's acceptable. What makes the gift acceptable? It's the willingness. That's what's there. You're invited to give not because you have to, but because you desire to. It's the willingness. I know everyone's in a while. Pastor, I'll get, I'll get guests. Can I ask you, we're looking for a church, but how, long, how often do you preach on tithing? I get that question every now and then. And I crack up because I rarely ever preach on tithing. But I get people that will come to me and say, you realize it's no longer, it's that's, that's a law thing. And so, with the laws put away, we no longer tithe. And I'm here to say this. You're right. The law is no longer applicable to us because we now live underneath the grace of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for that. But just because the law has gone away does not mean the principle has gone away because tithing existed before the law. But what does change is the motivation. There's the biggie. The Acts church, the new church, they didn't give because, oh, man, Peter's taken up another offering. What are we going to do? All of a sudden, when the, a need came up, and when they took up, took up an offering, the people came out of the woodwork because they said, we don't have to do this. We get to do this. And I understand that this has been abused by pastors for years. I've gotten some, in my years of ministry, I've gotten some weird, weird, weird tips from pastors on taking offerings. <sighs> Dave, make sure when you take an offering preach no less than 15 minutes about tithing before your actual message i'm exhausted for you or i remember i had a pastor literally tell me this because i asked him i said hey have you paid off the mortgage yet oh we paid it off a few years ago but i don't tell the congregation because they might not give as much Well, what about projects? Well, yeah, we we talk about projects, but we never talk about the completion because they might stop giving. I'm here to say, that's not stewardship, that's manipulation. And I'm telling you what, I've got on my phone presently, as of right now, I've got 71 projects around this this building and on the outside, from the parking lot, all the way to carpet and paint, all sorts, and obviously the paint I gotta fix uh, sometime this week i got 71 projects, and I'm here to say, as we give, you know what the last thing I'm going to do is hide needs from you, but at the same time, I would never hide anything, because it's a joy to not just give, but to see the See the fruition of that gift. We're going to celebrate everything that we accomplish, everything that we do, and we're going to do it not to try to stop you from giving to say we don't have to give. But when we have the joy and we've got the willingness, we want to keep seeding and keep going. Why? Because still people need to come to know Jesus. People need to know how much Jesus loves them, and people need to continue to be sent out from this place into the far reaches of this world. We're going to keep being willing, and as we are willing, God's going to multiply things. God's going to do things, and we will not. Do Do it in a way that is out of compulsion. The scripture says it's not out of compulsion, but willing and joyful to seed into the kingdom of God. I said this last week, and I'll say it again. If you don't like this message and you're going to leave, just if you leave, wherever you go, tithe when you get there. Pour Pour into that ministry when you get there we're here to build the kingdom of God and not our own little empires. Number four, choose to give intentionally. Choose to give intentionally. Paul told the church, see that you excel, verse uh, 7 of uh, 2 Corinthians 8, see that you excel in this act of giving. In the ESV, it talks about the act of grace. But he tells them, you guys are crushing it in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, and in love. You're crushing it in these areas, but don't ever forget that you're also to crush it in this act of giving. Don't stop giving, don't stop being a part of things. Some of y'all wanna, you still wanna do the drop boxes, you wanna drop off the check, that's phenomenal. Some of you still wanna drop off the cash, that's phenomenal. Some of you wanna feed little pennies in there and that will drive Pastor Marty nuts on Mondays and I find that funny every single time. <laughs> Did you know this? A handful of, man, it was more like eight or 10 years ago when we started online giving. For a while, it was like 6% of our congregation, 8%, 20% were utilizing online giving but who, who would have known that how much that would have aided in helping to keeping our church going during 2020? But since 2020, I think that we're somewhere around 56% of our givers are online givers. And they do reoccurring giving to help them with consistency and to help them be strategic about their giving. I'm here to say that every dollar you give, again, thank you so much, but we use it for the kingdom of God. Um, again sitting and talking with missionaries this week was fantastic one of the heartbreaking things was talking with other ones that are wanting to get to the field and i'm making this what i call this waiting list so that as god increases the tithe here it's going to also increase our missions giving and the more missionaries that we get to send out around the world we have to be intentionally willing to give and again it says in verse nine, verse 7 in chapter 9 don't be manipulated but be stirred up by God. In other words, I want you to hear from God about what you ought to give. Because some of you, you think, "Oh, if I just get the tithe, some of you, God may challenge you to give more than just your tithe. God may want you to give above and beyond. That has been a desire of our hearts for years is we don't want to stop at tithing. We want to give above because it's about the kingdom of God. And I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11. It says, you will be enriched in every way because you gave. In every way to be generous in every way, you have been enriched. God will make you rich to be generous. Now, I wanna be careful about that, Pastor Dave, TV preacher. The word rich means in the original language to have more than you need. Because it's sometimes that God needs to enrich you not with what's in the bank account, but sometimes that when you're going through the biggest depression of your life, that you don't need to be enriched with money, you need to be enriched with joy. And when you've gone through heartbreak, in that moment, it's not that you need to be enriched with finances. You need to be enriched with peace. And we have the God who enriches us in every way so that we can give it away. Why does God give you? God doesn't just give you just enough joy. He gives you abundant joy so that when you meet somebody who needs joy, you can give it to them. Why does God give you extra peace? It's not just so you can stockpile it in your pockets. I don't want you to be Boaz and just you're feeding on it, feeding on it. And I'm just going to hold it to myself. Some of y'all need to get the spirit of Boaz off your life. I can Goodness gracious. But God gives you the peace so that when he instills it in you and you walk up to somebody, how's your day going? Not good. This has happened. That's happened. This person left me. This happened. You don't just simply say thoughts and prayers and you walk away, but you get to say, you know what? The Lord has given me something that I want to breathe into your life. God has healed me in order to heal others. God has delivered me to deliver others. What he puts in your life, put into the people around you. He has made you rich in every way so we can bless people so that we can be, in verse 11 in the NIV, we can be generous on every occasion. That every moment, God, that you would pour so many blessings upon our congregation that in every moment of every day, as a need were to come up to them, that they could be so full that they would be ready to be generous. See, it doesn't take faith to give God what's kind of left in your life. It takes faith to put God first and to offer him who we are so that he can fill us so that we can offer what we have. And we could talk about that with our time. We could talk about that with our talents. Some of of y'all need to join some ministry. We call them teams. You need to join a ministry. Serve once a month. First impressions, serve once a month. Some of you have giftings with little ones. And I want you to understand something. We don't do babysitting at K-First. If you want to get one of our pastors fired up, call Kids Ministry Babysitting, and you will get us fired up. It's kind of like uh, the other day. I was at a going-away party, and this kid walked in in a Dallas Cowboy shirt. I got fired up. <laughs> I told him to turn it inside out, and it's like, who are you? <laughs> we don't babysit down there. We speak over babies. We pray over them. We love on them. We pour into our children. We teach them the scriptures. We sing over their lives. We teach them songs. We want them to become disciples of Christ at the most early age. Why? Because they deserve the gospel as much as we deserve the gospel. But we need people that will give her their time, people that will give her their talents. Some of y'all are great musicians. You need to volunteer. Some of you are not great singers. You should not volunteer here, but volunteer elsewhere. Some of y'all need to volunteer your touch. What do I mean? You've got these smartphones, and some of you are great about posting things on social media. What about being great on every single day and using that touch phone to begin to send a message to somebody's life? Lord, would you lay somebody on my heart today and send a message of encouragement? To send the word, you're reading the scripture. Who can I send this scripture to today? To send a word of healing. To send a word of comfort. Oh my word, this. In the middle of what, our first service at our statewide meetings, one of our, one of our missionaries from the church, he came over to me during, and he put his arm around me, and he says, I know we're praying for the new ordination candidates right now, He says, but I felt led that God wanted me to give you a word for you and your church for the upcoming decade. And I just sat in a puddle of tears with him giving me something so timely. Don't be selfish with what God gives you. Pour it out because you won't understand the type of transformation you could bring. And obviously, time, talents, touch, and the tithe. Bring it into the storehouse because, and see that not through your giving that God does not supply to the world around us. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 9 through 10, as it's written, He is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, I want you to note something, that it doesn't say that he gives seed to everybody. He's giving seeds to the giver. Why does it say that he gives seed to the sower? The person who just sowed put seed in the ground. Why would he give them more seed? Why? Why? Because he's able to trust the people with what he's put in their hands. If they've been faithful with it before, they're going to be faithful again. You want to have God entrust you with more? Be faithful with what he's already given you. And it says, see that he will not enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So let's be intentional. Lastly, Emily, I need you to play piano, so I'll shut up. number five, choose to give thankfully. Choose to give Thankfully. Chapter, two, uh, chapter 9, verse 14. While well, they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace upon you. The surpassing grace. He is talking to the, current, the church in Corinth about the surpassing grace of giving that's upon their life, and he is actually thanking them. And he's thanking them, but also recognizing that you're able to give because Christ Jesus gave fir- per- first. He became poor that we might become Rich. And have we truly thought about how much Jesus has done for us? I love the word out of Psalms 116. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? In other words, how can we repay God for all that he's done for us? I wouldn't even know where to start. But one thing I do is I start with where I'm at. And I give. the very first Passover, we're talking about all the way back into the book of Exodus. There was a, it was a time for, for, for Israel to really respond to what God had done for them. Passover was recognizing the days of the Exodus where before they were leaving Egypt, that the angel of death had passed over their homes. Why? Because they had gotten a sacrificial lamb. And they took blood and they put it over this doorpost that caused death to pass by. And so every single year, part of the celebration was going to your flocks and finding your first and your best and sacrificing it. And the scripture says... That their kids are going, your kids are going to be confused about this. Your kids are going to start asking questions like, Mom, Dad, why are you doing this? It doesn't seem like we have much. We don't have much in our flock. Dad, why would you do this? Why are you giving this way? Mom and Dad, why are you tithing to the church? Why are you serving in ministry? Why do we give that... Past- Mom and dad, why are you giving that much time to the church? Why are you volunteering? Why are you helping out with foster children? Why are you helping out with food pantry? Why are you serving in these areas? It seems like nobody thanks you. This is the type of questions these kids would have been asking their parents. And especially within our selfish culture, the question comes up, why do we actually give? This was the question of the children of the exodus. And this is what the Lord says. In Exodus, when they ask you, you get up and say, the Lord Almighty brought up out of Egypt. He brought us out of slavery. In fact, my guess is, Moses would have told the people, pull down the sides of your shirt and show them the marks on your back. Show them where you came from and how much God has set you free. And make them help them to realize that we give to honor the one that set you free. We give to the one that we honor, that delivered our lives from, from the slavery of sin. Tell them, show them, talk to them. So when your kids say, Mom, Dad, why do we give? Tell them your testimony. Tell them what... Tell them what Jesus has delivered you from. Oh, pastor, my kids are teenagers. I don't want my kids to ever know where we came from. You know what? Your kids may need to know. They need, they need the stories. They need to know the heritage. They need to know what has happened in the past. But what they need to know is the one that pulled you out of that is the same one that could deliver them today. We give because he gave. We are delivered because he delivered us. And it's out of that mentality That we get to be generous with everything within our hands. When you realize what Jesus has done, how can we ever hold back? So we're going to test this. I'm going to challenge, if you are a regular attender here, I'm going to challenge you, first of all, would you step on and be a tither? Be a giver. I told you last week, if you... If, man, that's, that's something that is so insurmountable right now. I'm going to ask you to take some steps of faith. Maybe instead of the 10%, start with 1% or 2 or 3%. Start somewhere and just be faithful and watch the faithfulness of God. If you're an attender and you, you're not involved in any ministry, click on that QR code on the back of those seats and find one place, just one place to volunteer once a month. Find some place to serve. You know what would be an amazing day? It's to announce to you the waiting list to serve in areas of ministry. Thank you, Karen. I'm going to believe that with Karen in the back. But also when we have guests, I want to restore something we call love offerings. When people come in and preach and teach, we, we do love offerings. I normally will give them an honorarium just to bless them and to thank them for being here. But I want to restore love offerings. And so next week, and love offerings, honestly, it's above our tithe. So there's the challenge. But next week, we're going to do a love offering for somebody. I'm inviting in some friends of ours that are planning a church. I'm going to show a picture up there. This is Dustin and Colette. They're going to join me on stage next week. And I want to interview them. I want to talk to them about the call of God and what God wants to do in their lives to the city of Pontiac, Michigan. How bad is Pontiac? The Detroit Lions left Pontiac. That joke will sit better a little bit later with some of you. Pontiac has been a city that has struggled for as long as I've been alive. Pontiac was my backyard. I know Pontiac well, and I've never seen a church or a ministry thrive in the city of Pontiac. And that's where Dustin's from, and that's what God has called Dustin back to. So we're going to have them here on Sunday, and at the end of the service, again, above our tithes, we're going to bless them. We're just going to bless them. And I want you to come prepared to give and, and we 'll be able to do it digitally at the end of the service and we can we 'll do it actually manually as well, manually that sounds weird uh, we 'll get our buckets out and We're going to give an opportunity for us to do exactly what we have been preaching. We are going to hilariously give and help them in their start. I know a number of churches that have already gotten behind them. And God moved in my heart months ago that just said we're going to have them in. And we are going to pour into them. And we're going to see something thrive in a city that nothing has ever been able to thrive. But I serve a God who can make streams in the wastelands. He could cause the deep to open up and to flood where there was nothing. He will cause rain in the dry places, and that's what we're gonna believe for Pontiac, Michigan, through this amazing couple. I am stoked about next week. But today, I'm gonna ask, would you just bring your heart into check? I know that Mother's Day is not the day to talk about giving but I actually think it's a perfect day for God to call all of our hearts into question, that God would search our hearts, and ask us, where are we in this area of generosity? With our time, with our abilities, and yes, even with our treasure. Because the reality is they all three belong to God to begin with. We're not owners, we're stewards. And if we can hold it in such a way that we don't drop it, but in another way that if God asks us to give, that we're always arms open willing to receive, but always arms open willing to give. It's all from him, and it's all for him. Let's pray. I'm done yakking. Jesus, I ask that you would just confront our hearts. Lord, I remember years ago you having to confront me about my stinginess. You had to confront me about my own grip. And Lord, I pray that today that you would just do that within hearts. But some of us have had grips on our time and grips on our abilities. And Lord, you're wanting to bless people through those abilities and through that time. But Lord, unless we're willing to release it, Lord, we actually withhold blessing from somebody else. And so, Lord, I pray that today, out of today, that, Lord, that you would raise up from nursery to kids' church to youth workers to worship team to tech team to first impressions and pantry and prayer, Lord, that you would release people today into the freedom of simply saying, yes, Lord, I will do what you send me to do. And, Lord, we also talk about them this touchy subject of finances. And Lord, I pray that today that you would raise up, Lord, not grippers or tippers, but Lord givers. Lord, raise up faithful people who will be willing to give with cheerful, hilarious hearts ready to seed into what you are wanting to grow. Lord, forgive us for expecting harvests that we have never seeded yet. Forgive us for expecting bigger things to come when we haven't been faithful with the small things. So Lord, I pray that you would just touch and grip our own hearts today.